Good morning uh, here in Homa, Louisiana. It's Corey with Cop Talk with Corey. I think it's almost 4.30 in the morning over here. I just finished the introduction to these episodes, but got a little time. And I want to talk about two subjects that I think I can go combine into one. And some big deals that are going on or big things that are going on in agencies is uh, body cameras in the uniform. Um, won't talk too much about the beards and the tattoo policy in this uh, episode, but we'll talk about uh, looking the part and showing up. How big of a deal do you think it is for your appearance? Um, how big of a toll do you think it takes on the criminal element? Or what do you think that they think about when you get out of the vehicle and look the part? Like I said, going through some of these episodes, I'm going to keep it generic but understandable to what it is about being in law enforcement, about what you're going through too in your agencies and how do you perceive it with your uniform or your uniform policy. I know today with modern technology and stuff, uh, when we talk about uniforms and body cameras or whatnot, the uniforms change a good bit. Um, some of these smaller towns are, uh, I mean, they're wearing polo shirts with bulletproof vests underneath there. Uh, our agency has, you have an option to wear the under bulletproof vest, the, the non-visible one, or the outer carrier. Some people prefer the outer carrier because it's a lot easier to put on and off, especially when it's hot. It's pretty hot down here in the summer. And not so much the heat force, but humidity-wise. Um, you, you could sweat a lot underneath those. So when they're taking a break and they're in the squad room, or just to use the restroom or whatnot, it's easier to take that outer vest off. And it looks, still looks, with it not un, looking unprofessional, I think our sheriff's office, their uniforms are now, everything is on the outer carry because it has a breathable uh, shirt underneath there. Uh, I do apologize in my first uh, episode there. If you hear the scratching a little bit on, um, through my headphones on the beard, I'm going to try and prevent that from going on here. But tell me about your uniforms. I want to hear from you guys about what's going on. If there are any uniform changes, any big uniform changes, uh, the only thing that's changed really in the past at my agency, like I said, I've been there almost 10 years, and just looking in the past from, you know, years and years before that is really only the color change from baby blue to, to dark, uh, really, really dark blue. It's almost black uh, that we have now. But other than that, it's pretty. It's a pretty standard police uniform. They used to have to wear, uh, I call it the bus driver cap, the kind of like to wear in the Chicago and New York, their NYPD and whatnot, all that. Um, they used to have to be required to wear those. We still have them. We're not all issued them. I have one. Some of us, you know, when you first started, you used to get them years ago. You don't even, I don't even think they purchase from them anymore. It's really just for dress up or your class A's or what we call them. If you had your long sleeves and your tie on, you'd have that. Um, different things about the uniform. And uh, what's to say the, the importance of keeping up with your uniform? Even though I don't work in patrol anymore, I work in narcotics. I wear plain clothes to work uh, 90% of the time. Or if not, I'm in BDUs if I'm working at my K9 or whatnot. But even when I wear plain clothes, maybe if I am in a T-shirt, I still don't try to dress raggedy because I don't work undercover or anything like that. So no real reason for me to try and look like I'm not a cop at all. I do wear uh, a small beard, but it's just for my personal preference. But the importance of, or my deal, when I did work patrol, how important it was to me to make sure that my vehicle was clean that I didn't have a bunch of trash sitting all over my front seat because if you don't think the public's looking when they pass them by a unit at that restaurant, you're really mistaken. Or even just my uniform in general, when I wore it, I wanted to wear it with pride, you know, and it wasn't just to say, hey, I'm the big bad cop. Uh, like I said previously in my introduction, I'm, I'm about six foot. I'm all the way about 220 pounds. I'm in decent shape. I'm not 
you know, some phenomenal athlete or bodybuilder or anything like that. I, I probably I was a, a little lighter when I first started, but I uh, I always made sure when I, I got issued my uniforms, they were real baggy. They they were brand new, real baggy, didn't fit like I wanted them to fit. Uh, so I went, I, I spent a couple of dollars and I went get them tailored. I went get them fitted to me with my bulletproof vest on, same thing with my pants. I always had, I didn't have a, you know, a spit, spit shine shoe on, but I did have nice boots and always kept them clean. You know, I was, I was, I'm a, I was in the streets as a cop. I wasn't a, as far, when I worked on patrol, I wasn't just a ticket rider right now. I'm a, a, Pretty much from the beginning, I was in the streets chasing dope and chasing criminals and warrants and and all of that, and that's how I, I got influenced to be where I am today. But when I during all of that, no matter what, I always made sure that I looked the part. I showed up and looked the part. Uh, I always wanted to when I got out of vehicle, no matter where I was, whether it was on a traffic stop, going to someone's house for domestic violence, coming to a crash scene. Or, or anything like that, wanted them to know that I'm taking this job serious. I'm in control here, and this is what it's going to be about. And I think the uniform speaks a big part of it. A lot of people, they give a, a lot of slack to our state troopers around here. They go through a, a long six, seven-month academy around here. It's a pretty rigorous uh, academy. But I have to say, even growing up, as far as Louisiana State Police, and not that they're better than any other agency around here. They've got great cops all around here. Big thing, I'm not going to do on this. I'm not going to bash any agencies on here. Um, we would talk about what's going on, but take it for, for what it's worth. But you won't see a state trooper around here or anywhere in Louisiana with a sloppy uniform. You just won't. The uniform is all standards. But basically everything in their duty belt, whether, unless it's a, a right or left arm person, is going to be in the same spot. And that trooper is going to get out of the vehicle looking the part. No matter what, no matter how what the personality is, or where it is, or whatnot, they look the part. Never they have a, a reputation where people, oh, you know, I can't stand state troopers. You know, they always writing tickets. Well, you know what? It is their job. They work crashes. They work traffic enforcement, just like it's my job to enforce drugs or or any other thing. It's their job, you know. And they always say, well, uh, even my own mother um, was speeding racing to the hospital to see my sister who's pregnant with twins right now actually and uh she got stopped and, and got to take a by state trooper a female state trooper and she said well you know i, th- I thought for sure I mean, by me telling her that i was gonna that i was on my way to see you know to, to see my daughter who was having some pregnancy problems in the hospital that she was gonna let me go and i just said you know mom listen everyone and every cop and if they've been on a job longer than five minutes has heard every excuse in the book about where the people are going. So you imagine how many, if, if that trooper was getting off a shift and she wrote 20 tickets that day, trust me, she's heard 19 other excuses prior to you. So just take your ticket and move on. If you were wrong, you're wrong. That's how it is. I'm, even as a cop, I remember when I was married, I, I got stopped by a trooper and got a ticket. And Mike's, why, well, you, why didn't you tell me a cop? Oh, you know what? I was doing 20 over. You know, I deserve the ticket. I'm not going to say anything. And embarrassed myself I, you know I, I took the ticket and, and you know it is what it is you're, you're wrong you're wrong you gotta stick up for it but back to the uniform deals is when I was on it and I see rookie cops today is I think they a lot of them start off with having you know keeping the uniform up and and, and being there and looking the part and having your brass shined and, and taking care of that badge and going through all these other motions and I think it needs to be implemented as a part of your is your everyday get together and in, in your training as far as 
in the squad room and get back to get back to that. We as my department have gotten so lax on it. When I first started, we had a roll call every day. Roll call basically at the beginning of shift and at the end of shift. You were there at the time of shift change to figure out what's going on. Now, a lot of it was because we didn't have the technology we do today as far as to put out bolos and everything. Everything was still on paper. We didn't have laptops in the car. We didn't have iPads in the cars. We didn't have all of that. You know, just, you know, eight to ten years ago, it doesn't sound like that long ago. But as far as as far as we come with technology, it's advancing every day. So we didn't have all that. But when we got in there, our lieutenant and supervisor kind of looked at you to make sure that you, you had your stuff together, that you had everything in place. And every, I'd say quarterly, we would do inspections, vehicle inspections and uniform inspections. And it went as far as your shoes to your gun to everything. And we strayed way far away from that. We've become more of a tech-savvy department like everybody has and kind of relying on the, the computers and the radios and the cell phones more than we're relying on people-to-people contact. So nobody wants to see anybody. So I know now uh, these guys on the radio, because I, I hear them even when I'm working, they go 10-8 as far as 10-8, 10 code here where I live is – uh, 10-8 means that you're in service, and these guys are going in service over the radio, giving their starting mileage. They don't even have to see the the begin the, the the police department all day if they don't want to, unless a supervisor or administration calls you to their office. I don't I don't really see a reason why they would have to show up over there as long as they're heard on the radio. You can log in the computer. You can see that they're handling their complaints. You know, and if the supervisor needs to do anything, they can get out on the road and do whatever they got to do. But so we got away from all that. I think it's a big deal. I think it's something that needs to be uh, implemented no matter what. Even when I wear my canine uniform, which is, is BDUs, uh, I, I always make sure that my stuff looks good. My stuff's fitted. My, 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 I, don't, I don't blouse my boots, but I make sure that my uniforms are, uh, are, are clean. And that when I get out of my unit, I get when I want to speak to somebody that they understand that I mean business. And... I think it goes a long way. My training officer, like I said, I think I might have said it in my introduction, or the training officer that's still there is uh, showing up and looking the part is half the battle. You got to look it. You, you have to look the part to, to get out there and, and face these people. Some of these people can't stand you. Some people may be saying, but they can't stand you. But at least, you know, you be out there and, and look like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. I, I'm not saying fake it. But I learned a lot being on patrol and a lot of trial and error. And as long as it wasn't anything illegal or anything that was going to get me in trouble as far as what, you know, work, work stuff goes. It wasn't much that couldn't be undone as far as trial and error and figuring things out. And maybe uh, my lieutenant or sergeant would kick my reports back and say, you know what, this ain't how you need to do it. You need to go. But I did a lot of research on certain things that I wanted, you know, things that I were interested in in law enforcement. I, w- I would research it and figure it out and go look and see how, you know, somebody that I know that is doing well at the department and what they're doing. And, and a lot of influential people and all of my influential people, but guess what? They were dressed apart and they looked apart and they always did. They always showed up in business. So we'll move on to the second part of this where we'll talk about, and it's a uh, it's a big deal and it's a it's a nationwide thing, not just a Louisiana thing, not just a Homo thing, not just a Terrible Parish thing, body cameras. How you feel about them? Uh, how is it going in your agency? What's going on in your agency with body cameras? Um, as far as it is here, I'll give you my perspective on, on what it was back when we first got them, which I think, let's see, I think it was maybe around four, 2014 or 15 is when we got them. I'd say maybe 15, 14 maybe. We got the first edition of the Taser cameras. We still have Taser cameras. I think it's a great product. I'm talking about durable. Um, I think you can run these things over and 
you ain't gonna break them. They uh, I know it's a little expensive on the storage side of it, but when I tell you user friendly, and I can go to my office or go on my phone, go on my iPad, go on my computer, log in there, try and find something, label it, look for it, or if anybody administration needs it, very very easy to find. Like I said, I don't know the exact pricing on it. Our sheriff's office uh, bought their own other type of models, and they have their own stores because I don't think they wanted, They had the budget to, you know, the more officers you add, the more storage you got to pay for. We only have to pay for 100 officers here, so in renting the units from them. So if you have a larger agency, I know that the the storage issue is going to be the biggest deal because, I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of cameras, a lot of footage for other people to, to store. I know the biggest cities like New Orleans and whatnot only recently got the body cameras and whatnot because – that's expensive. It's truly expensive to outfit every officer with it, plus outfit. I mean, plus have to have the storage. Our state police uh, just recently got them a few years ago. Now they started off with the body cameras, but they were big on always having the best of the best dash cameras. And they had some state-of-the-art dash cameras that could see anything and everything. And so inside the unit, outside the unit, the back of the unit, the front of the unit, they were great. I thought it was awesome. I think they had got those not long ago. They transitioned to the taser units, which... Those taser body cameras can turn on simultaneous with your body camera, your dash camera, and once you take your taser out and these other elements, and even now they have it where you, when you draw your weapon, I think that's what we're going to now. When you draw your weapon, that taser should come on, should turn anybody's on within a certain vicinity of it as well, which I think is great. Takes that, um, takes that the human uh, emotion of having to. Draw your weapon, turn your taser on. You know, everything can happen so fast whenever you're moving along in a stressful situation. But moving back to before we I started, we didn't have body cameras. And I didn't think we'd ever get body cameras because, of course, uh, how expensive it is. And, of course, I didn't know, I had no idea that the technology would be would change so fast and, and so rapidly. And they would dump so much money and trying to figure out how to make these things the best of the best. Not only because law enforcement needed them, but I think a big thing is because of what the media was doing. The media wanted, we want to see what these cops are doing at all times. Let's see. I want to see the moment these officers come into contact with somebody from the from the time that they leave the jail. We want to see it all. Well, they started to get to see it all. Once they got a small taste of that, it was almost like, well, everybody has to get them. Because if not, you're putting your department at risk because the next officer involved shooting that you have, the next lawsuit that you have, guess what? We're going to want to know why this agency didn't have body cameras. And if it's a small budget excuse, you're not going to really have any excuse. So I'm thinking I didn't, we weren't going to get them. We started out with these small, they were called Scorpion cameras. They were real little, a little bigger than a thumb drive. You put them on your vest. They took really poor quality, and you had about an hour of footage, plus you had to go back and charge it for another hour. Some people kept them because uh, they were, you know, getting in trouble with the department for stuff that they didn't feel like that was necessary to be disciplined for. So they kept them on them at all times. We phased out of that, and then we went to the body cameras, and then the policies started coming out about when to use the body camera, when you can't use the body camera, when you have to have the body camera on, especially with use of force or what all of that. But I was totally against them at first, more so because I was naive about what it was going to turn into. But I was really against, I was really against them at first, and I said I was against them as more of a pride issue of me, I guess, because I was a street cop, I was chasing dope, I was uh speaking my mind per se without. Not necessarily, and definitely not degrading the public or anything, but you know, some people just don't understand any other language other than that certain language, and I know you know what I mean when I say that. They don't understand anything other than the the MF. You better sit down 
oh, I'm going to pick you up and, and throw you. Because that's what you're thinking in your head. That's what you want to do, no matter what you do or not. Then, But you go through that, and, and, so, and no matter, I don't care where you're from. If you've been in law enforcement for any period of time, you know that there's a certain type of person or those type of people that only understand that language. And you see that still with body cameras. You'll see officers get out of their unit, exit their unit, and they're talking to somebody. How you doing? I'm so-and-so, officer so-and-so, whatever. And it goes from that to gets a little escalated, a little escalated, because at some point when things get to such a stress level, yeah, whatever's coming to your mind, is it's, it's going to be whatever you think is going to get that person to stop doing what they're doing to keep you out of harm's way. So that's where it went. So I was more, I was against them, and I was like, man, I don't want this. This is just Big Brother watching us. They want to see everything we're doing. Nobody trusts us. They're going to hang us in the courtroom with this, and they're going to want to play everything that we're doing. And, you know, what are you going to do about when you're on a crime scene and there's cops side talking and joking around? They're going to play that and think that we didn't take this crime scene seriously and all of that. So we, I'm moving around, and I, I, I'm telling you, I have a totally different perspective of body cameras now. Because they've saved me in the past. They've saved me way. I can't even tell you a, a time that they hurt me, honestly. I cannot tell you a time that I felt my body camera was going to get me in trouble. Now, other than me maybe thinking it's on while I'm um, having a personal conversation with somebody and it, maybe I actually kept it on after after a whole scene or after everything was on, and I'm like, oh, man, well, you know, this had nothing to do with anything. I'm as far as on the job, in there, maybe the only thing, maybe my language at times, on a, in a high stress uh, situation in a chase or a vehicle chase or a foot chase or anything like that, I can say logically, I don't think it would have got me in trouble. But if it could have, that would have been it. But I find when I did get it, it changed the way that I talked to people. It changed the way that when I come to work and I had a bad attitude because something went on at home, even though you try, you try, you try, they always say, you know, you, 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 you need to leave that at home. Well, you know what? I could leave so much at home, but, you know, a little bit of it's going to follow again. You don't need to bring it on a job, but it happens. You know, everybody's not going to come to work all jolly and happy every day. It's just not going to happen. So it changed my view of the way I talk to people on these smaller complaints as far as civil matters. This dude blew these grass leaves in my yard for the fifth time this week. And some of the ones where you just want to say, you know what, sir, you're an idiot. That's basically what, I, what you want. Sir, you're an idiot. And, and, and they look at you like, you know what, what do you talk about? No, sir, you're an idiot. I'm sorry that this guy blew leaves in your yard for the third time this week. But there also is a medical emergency that I'm hearing over the radio right now where there's an infant not breathing and the ambulance has an extended ETA and I have to go. That's the type of stuff you just you, you just want to shake somebody like, you know, what are you doing? So it kind of changed the way I talk to somebody on that or – you show up to that crash scene, right? At the, it's the end of the shift. It's, it's, you're about to get off and you get dispatched to a crash. You know, and you're like, okay, I, I'm not getting home on time, which happened to everybody at some point, or I'm getting dispatched to that domestic violence. And you want to walk up and say, howdy, everybody. My name's Officer Corey Duplantis, and you just ruined my dinner, you know, because you we're texting and driving, but you don't, you go in there and that, that body camera gives you that second tap on the shoulder. And I, I compare it to why my dog has to wear his e-collar or his, uh, shot collar. It's just a reminder. Hey, you know what? You don't know what they're going through either. Maybe you don't know what, you don't know what everybody else is going through. Try and talk to everybody a little bit more respect 
And uh, I tell you another thing is if you ever have to discharge your firearm, it's happened to me in the line of duty. You want to have that with you. Trust me. Trust me. You want to have that with you. Now, it happened to me a few years into my career. We had just got those body cameras in 2015. I had my canine with me. I was training a rookie and then fired, discharged my weapon at a vehicle that was going in reverse. We're just trying to stop the vehicle. We're, that's That was the only goal was to stop the vehicle. So when I went through that, I mean, I'm my, the first time I discharged my firearm, I'm scared to death. You know, they, they, they're going to fire me. You know, what are they going to do? But I also had every uh, confidence in myself that I knew I didn't do anything wrong. But I tell you, that was the first instance when that body camera really, really, really saved me. Is when I went and got an interview for that, there wasn't really any questions that weren't asked other than kind of tell me what you were thinking when this was going on. Basically, all they had, because you know what? I had some really crystal clear video that we just got that walked me right through it. And the next day, I was cleared. Went back to work, nothing, like it was nothing, and moved along. And it was, I mean, it was... It was good to go. So I think those instances is what saved, what is what will save you. And I, and I really am a firm believer that it saved more cops than it's hurt. If you did something really belligerently wrong or excuse me, blatantly wrong on the body camera, well, you know what? You're going to have to take your lick because I think it's doing more good for law enforcement as a whole. Now, we have another uh, a surrounding parish, a really, really big parish who, who hasn't gone to them. They just haven't put the money into them. Um, for the their administration and sheriff's own reasoning, but they all they also they have really really good dash cameras still though, so I think as long as they have that, it kind of says you know it'll kind of keep the same thing because their dash camera I believe has a mic that's on them and at least you get the audio and for whatever that sheriff's reasons for it is, to each his own you know he just got reelected so it's 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 how that agency is gonna police itself. I tell you, I don't know if I could go work for another an agency right now that didn't have body cameras. It would be a really, really weird for, thing for me to be out on the streets and whatnot talking to somebody and not have uh, knowing that this is going to be recorded because I like to have that recording because you know what? When I go back or and it's happened to me before, um, I had a stop that uh, I smelled the odor of marijuana. It's still not legal here and it definitely wasn't at the time and they were trying to say that they weren't the only vehicle on the road and that my windows weren't even down at the time. Well, you know what? My body camera got played in open court. My windows were down. They were the only vehicle because you could see it uh, clearly on through my windshield. And my windows were down at the time. And this camera, this was so clear. When I walk up to the vehicle, you see the smoke coming out of the car and ain't nobody was smoking cigarettes. So I really think that it's it's a better thing and it plays a bigger part with it. And it's just a part of our uniform nowadays. It, just like you're going to whatever, you're not going to go to work without it. It's very, very rare that these that officers that are patrol officers don't have them on. Um, like I said, I wear plain clothes to work, so I'm not gonna. Have, I don't have it strapped to my belt at all the time. But if I'm ever out in the uh, streets doing the enforcement, we have it on our tag vest. We have it with us, and especially for use of force. If you don't have it on you and you do get into a use of force issue, you're gonna have problems with administration. You can't really blame them because you got to keep it blanketed across the books. You can't just give this one guy an excuse that hey, well my my camera was charging. Because I had an incident the other day where I, I went to go back up some officers. I was doing some uh, off-duty or extra detail stuff going. And I didn't have my body. My body camera was charging. It was downloading videos. I kind of just said on the radio, hey, headquarters, can you notate that my body camera is uploading at this time? And I'm just out here backing these guys up. Making sure everybody else had their cameras on. Let it be known that I don't have my camera on. And I had a, a younger officer. And I said, hey, you know what? Stick by me. Keep your camera on just in case anything happens. You know, we have this stuff captured on video. So that's what we're going through with body cameras. 
we keep evolving with them. We just got newer models in. I think we're going to continue to keep newer models in. What about your agency? Are y'all, do y'all have good body cameras? Do y'all have crappy body cameras? Do you agree with them? Do you not agree with them? I want to hear from you. Let's see what, what you have to say about them. That's just my perspective on the uniform, um, the importance of the uniform, and what we're going through with body cameras. So uh, next couple episodes, we'll get into uh, dig deeper about um, different roles in the department, different policies, and uh, different things that cops are going through, divorces and affairs and whatnot. Hey, I'll share my story about my divorce. I'll share it about my affair as much as I can. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to put anybody else's business. I can, I'll just tell you internally to stuff of what I've been through to help you guys. I want you know, we'll uh, got to stick together. Uh, there's a lot more of us than people believe there is, and there's a lot more people backing us than people uh, believe. So we have to stick together at some point, and um, that's it. Talk to you guys later.